PCA Conversations with Black Voices. This is Between the Pew. Between the Pew is brought to you by African American Ministries. AAM exists to provide ways to support, mentor, and mobilize African Americans within the PCA. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Between the Pew. My name is Janelle Chavis and I am hosting today with the lovely Kelly Brown. What's good, Kelly? Hey, girl. Today we are joined by Karen Ellis and it is indeed a pleasure and a joy (laughs) to have you here with us. Karen is the director of the Edmiston Center of the Study of the Bible and Ethnicity in Atlanta, Georgia. She also serves as the Robert Canada Fellow for World Christianity at Reformed Theological Seminary. And I know, Karen, you'll fill us in on your work in those capacities later. Can't wait to hear it. But for now, I just can't tell you how excited I am to to sit down with you. I have admired you from afar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I consider it a privilege to, to chop it up with you today. You were recently uh, actually on a, a podcast that my husband hosts, Africana Mana, and he, after the, the, the recording, he couldn't stop talking about what a great time he had interviewing you. So that, of course, <laughs> made me even more excited to sit down with you. So welcome, Karen, to Between oh, the Pew. How are yeah. you today? Oh, sisters, I'm so glad to be here with you. And I'm so glad you're doing this series. I mean, it's just... It gives people a real slice of, you know, how diverse the diversity is. Yeah, you know what I'm that's saying? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yep, we come yep. from so many different places and so many different backgrounds and experiences. And for some reason, the Lord has thrown us all in together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So here we all are. And I just love you both dearly. And I'm oh. so glad to be here with you in this space. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Between the two has a... Uh, Definitely been a fun project for AAM. It's been, it's just been neat to learn, you know, people's stories. And like you said, we're all on a spectrum here and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just learning our entrance into the PCA. It's been fun to hear from different, different people, different perspectives. Well, uh, let's, let's go ahead and dive on in Karen. First, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, where'd you grow up? You know, what's your favorite TV show? You know, yeah. oh my goodness. I, and I'm excited oh. to hear this because I've been around you, Karen, but I've never really gotten a chance to know you. I know, Kelly. I feel like we rode in a van one time together after yep. LDR and it was like, yep. hey girl, hey. And we yep. we had this instant bond and then it was like time to go and do something. Yes. And we never got to revisit it. So. Never got to revisit <laughs> it. So this is this is a chance to start. We're going yes. to finish later. Yes. <laughs> and I'm looking yes. forward to that. But this is a chance to start. Sounds good. Well, I grew up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. I didn't uh, know that. Okay. I grew up in Baltimore, born in 19. (laughs) (laughs) Your audio is going out a little bit, Karen. Are we we good? (laughs) We good. We good. (laughs) No, I was born in 1967. Uh, It was the end of the, towards the end. And, you know, as I was kind of you know, growing, going into four and five and six years old in the early 70s. Um, it was kind of the end of the civil rights movement, um, the end of the uh, turbulent 60s. And everybody was kind of, everybody in the, my household, all the adults were kind of, you know, whoo, what just happened, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of taking stock of, um, you know, just the, the decade that happened before. So I grew up in Baltimore and uh, in Northwest Baltimore, which was a neighborhood my parents um, integrated and then eventually wow. it became a middle-class black neighborhood. Um, Mayor Kurt Schmoke lived around the corner from us and there were a lot of black professionals and, and that's what my parents were. My dad was a school teacher and my mom was a homemaker. She went to Morgan State. My brother went to Morgan State. My sister went to Howard. Um, right. Yeah, and, and my dad was a Hampton grad. So we were oh, just wow. kind of a typical middle-class, you know, black family. And um, I grew up um, in, in the PCUSA. Okay. My, my parents were charter members at um, a church in Walbrook Junction in Baltimore. And um, yeah, I ended up being that little girl with the pigtails um, sitting behind the piano playing what I used to call a Sadie piano because it sounded like, 
you know, only a woman named Sadie could make it sound good because it was so out of tune. So, <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> so, you know that piano that's always oh, yeah. uh-huh. that, you know, just found its way down there. Yeah. So I grew up playing the Sadie piano um, for Sunday school. And then um, I just kind of grew up um, at uh, this Presbyterian church that was all black. Um, okay. mm-hmm. uh, they, I think there were one, we were one of five African-American uh, churches in the PCUSA. Right. And, um, you know, it was a very socially active church. Um, uh, but uh, I was not, I was not a Christian. I can tell you that for real. Um, I was not a Christian and I didn't become a Christian until I had actually left there. I was a church organist and I hmm. wasn't a Christian. Okay. I was the choir director. Wow. And I wasn't a Christian. I started I a gospel. That was possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I started a gospel oh, choir. Yeah. Happens and I did not know Jesus, you know, mm. you can, you can look real good, um, mm-hmm. separated from the vine. If you know all the, you know, all the right things to say and all the right things to do. And yeah, man. You know, we were kind of a pillar of the community family, um, along with, uh, numerous others who were charter members of the church. And it was a great, um, it was a great environment to grow up in. I mean, mm. you know, that you're, even your title between the pews just evokes, so many images for me. Like you were talking, you always saying, oh, yeah. this is the conversation that happens between the pews, you know, when the deacons are collecting, you know, they're counting the money and, you know, and I'm like, man, I can smell the chicken <laughs> coming up from the fellowship. <laughs> right. The fellowship hall, yep. which is usually you know, in the basement yep. or in the back room somewhere. Yes. That's right right all there. these, all those East coast churches with the red doors mm-hmm. and that kind of mm-hmm. neo-Gothic style, they all had the same, they smelled yes. like church. Yeah. You know yes, what I'm saying? Did. They smelled Absolutely. like church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyways, it was a wonderful place to grow up socially. Um, there was a woman who taught me how to play the organ. She had, she taught me how to do the feet because I was already <laughs> playing the piano. So she's like, you got to okay, get the feet so- together. So this is a Hammond you're playing? No, no, a, it was one of those big okay. pipe organs. Yeah, a big pipe organ. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah, we did the gospel choir on the piano. Not on. The, okay. I wish I had learned how to play the Hammond because that was I didn't. I don't know those chords, but mm, if I could, yeah. I would. <laughs> well, a pipe organ is no joke. I tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, she taught me, and uh, she was a Baltimore City School teacher as well. Uh, she just passed away recently, and she shared the gospel with me. She was one of the first. Mm. Um, but I was highly resistant Mm. Mm. and, um, she was one of the first people who told me something that I would meet five other people before I actually realized I believed they would all tell me the same thing from different places. And that's the Lord has been after you since you were a little girl. Mm. Wow. Mm. That little girl playing that Sadie piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so she taught me how to play the organ. She shared the gospel hard with me. Um, then there was another woman when I was in high school named Deborah Barrett. Um, she was uh, my social studies teacher. And I went to an, um, it was an all girls high school, all girls public high school. Really? <laughs> I've never heard such. It might be the only one in the whole United States. I don't know. Wow. Um, but it was, um, so this woman was, um, she now, now Miss Deborah Barrett, she's gone on to be with the Lord and she met Jesus. Oh my gosh. That woman would come in on the first day of class and put her, slap her Bible in a public school down on the corner of the desk. And she would say, I used to dance for <laughs> Satan. I used to dance for the world. And now I dance for Jesus. Oh, <laughs> And I was so bad in high school. I was so oh, y'all. I was you so were bad. bad. You mean like oh, you were oh. na- you were naughty? Oh, I was beyond naughty. I was truant. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I would get uh, sent to the uh, principal's office constantly. I got sent for fighting. I got sent for. I know. Oh, you, I know oh. you're about to spit out your drink, Kelly. Oh, I see you, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Put that down because this is getting good. (laughs) I got sent. Yes, but Deborah Bear. So our our school office um, at at our high school was like a fishbowl. It was all glass, right? Mm. Um, Which is a wall full of glass, and then you know the wall going down, cement wall going down to the the ground. And so if you were in there for being bad, everybody, everybody everybody knew. Yeah, everybody. They'd be passing in the hallways and in between classes and looking at you. Well, Deborah Barrett would come and instead of looking at me in the fishbowl and gossiping about me, she would come and sit with me in my shame Mm -hmm. and preach the gospel with me, to me 
Wow. Before the principal came out and took me in every single time. I cannot wait to get to glory. And say and say thank look, you. Look at thank me, you look at me now. Mm. <laughs> for sitting mm. with me in my shame. Mm. She was being the gospel. Mm-hmm. She was. She was. Mm. And um, yeah, you can and there were worked. other folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, praise the Lord. You know, I, it right. took me another. It took me another ten years. I didn't. I didn't realize I believed until I was twenty five years old. And um, by then, I was in graduate school. Um, I went to the Yale School of Drama. I was in school with some wonderful, wonderful artists that you would know today. Um, Really? Yeah, yeah. And it was a wonderful experience. And that's my third year at school. Everybody was in the stacks because we had great libraries. You know, everybody was in the stacks studying, you know, theater and performance and art and whatnot. And uh, I was in there studying. I'm like, who is this God? I thought he was one God of many names. You know what I mean? But the, mm-hmm. that didn't make sense after a while. And so I just thought, what's he going to do? Like when the Mormons get there and the Buddhists show mm-hmm. up and like, what's he going to, is he going to pull out, you know, the, right. the, the, the Egyptian book of the dead when the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How's he going to manage all How's this? he going to do yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> and so I started reading those books. I started reading the Egyptian book of the dead. I started reading mm-hmm. like books on, um, Zen Buddhism and Taoism and um, books on Yoruban religions and, you know, West African religions. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by the Holy Ghost. All right. Um, uh, only by the, the Holy Ghost did he guide me to an Easter service in 1993, which probably feels to y'all like a, you know, the Stone Ages. But um, <laughs> in Easter service 1993, I went to a student-led service, come on, student-led services <laughs> mm-hmm. on campus um, that was, uh, it was so informal. It was at the African and African-American uh, Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. And that brother, I can still see that brother's face to this day. I don't know his name, but I can see his face with his wow. big glasses and his gold tooth. Oh. And he said, <laughs> he gave that gospel mm. and the penny dropped. Mm. Mm. And I climbed Um, over people to take the altar call. And I went forward and everything changed after that. And I was like, I should probably stop smoking dope. Hmm. Mm. Okay, I should probably stop doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. Mm. And Mm. I didn't have anybody to disciple me for years, but the Lord just brought me along. There were a lot of casualties along the way because I... I didn't have anybody actively discipling me, which is why I'm so big on discipleship now, right. because yeah. I know what it is to, especially as a late bloomer, a late believer, I know what it is to unlearn things mm. and how hard that is yes, to unlearn ma'am. those yeah. old thought patterns. But mm. anyways, that's a little bit of how I ended up sitting with you all today. Yeah. Oh, Lord, what yeah. a beautiful testimony. Oh. My oh, goodness. He's been good. He's been good. I mean, Amen. I, uh, I, and I, then I went on in theater and did everything I wanted to do. I did my, I did, I had a great career. Did yeah. you? Awesome career. Yeah. Tell us I a little did, bit about I that. I have a theater degree. Did you know that? No. What? Yes. Get I, out. I have a bachelor's in theater and broadcast television and and straight up theater i sure do wow i didn't know that about you oh yeah i didn't know that about you i know look at that now my mind is working see now you've you've tripped a whole bunch of other things like what could we all be doing together girl (laughs) girl what oh my god i know tell us about your your interest in that how did it start and 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 walk us along that journey because that's that's super interesting I was that kid who sang into the hairbrush in front of the mirror Mm. and reenacted scenes, you know, in my bedroom by myself, all the lines, playing all the roles, all the characters, right? I'm so Um, kindred right now. (laughs) Was that you, Kelly? Oh, oh my God. I still do that. I know, know, right? Don't catch me in the car with a good song on. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, And I, uh, yeah, I, it's all I wanted to do from pretty much the time I was five. And so, Mm. you know, and I think I did my first play in elementary school at 10. And then um, when I got to, by the time I got to college, uh, my parents were my parents wanted to expose us to, I mean, they took us everywhere. 
we would go on road trips in the summer because my dad was a school teacher. So he had summers off. My mom right. would do all the financial planning and we would take a trip somewhere. We would look at all the monuments, all the mm -hmm. museums, all the, you know, they, the, all the concerts, you know, mm -hmm. if Morgan was putting on a concert, we were there. If Howard was putting on a concert, we were there. We saw Morgan's choir and Nathan Carter. Oh my gosh. Over and over and over again. Every Christmas. Yeah. We were Oh, and, wow. uh, it was, yeah. So they get, they just kind of steeped us in the arts and I, it just seeped into me Yeah, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a way that I really wanted to pursue that for a career. So I did. Mm. And um, yeah, I got, I got an MFA from Yale. Excellent. Cool. From Yale. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah. your favorite role? Oh, that's like asking me to choose children. Let me see. <laughs> It is. That's a very good analogy because every role brings it's some true. new element. Yeah, I loved, I played Ophelia in Hamlet. I did a lot of classical. Mm, wow. Okay. I played Ophelia in Hamlet twice. Uh, once um, at Santa Fe stages and the other at the Yale Rep. And I loved, I loved that character because mm -hmm. um, it's just fun to research poison and, you know, or, or to research madness or, you know, yeah. those, those ways of demise that you yeah. find in Shakespeare plays, Shakespearean mm -hmm. plays and Jacobean mm -hmm. plays. And um, and then manifest those things on stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's crazy. But just the depth, um, the depth of character that you're able to bring to the Shakespearean characters. I love that world. Mm. Um, I also, let's see, I really enjoyed, I played um, Julie Laverne in Hal Prince's Showboat for three years on the road. <laughs> on the oh, road? You were on yeah. the road. Yeah, Broadway wow. tour, Broadway national <gasps> tour. Yeah. yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> you were on Broadway? Oh! <laughs> on a tour yeah yeah i mean and you then, were already a giant in my eyes and now i'm just <laughs> right this is like these a fangirl over here these are the things girl. nobody nobody ever asks me about it so oh you my know, gosh here we are yeah i had <laughs> a great time awesome. i loved what i did um, i loved making moments and uh, the Lord called me out he called mm -hmm. me out of it into something else and mm. you know you know moses moses never thought that he would be doing anything greater than being in, you know, the, the big house, you know, with, with Pharaoh and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And God's like, oh, people are going to remember your name and they're not going to yeah. remember Pharaoh's name, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so I'm kind of thinking, you know, what it, what it, what it looks like to walk away from something that you wanted, that you yeah. thought you wanted all yeah. your life, you know? Yeah. And it took a few years for it to be okay. But then I just kind of settled into a, a different kind of adventure with the Lord. And I mm -hmm. just, at this point, it's almost 25, 30 years later. I wouldn't trade mm. where he has me for anything. I love what I do. Amen. I love what I do so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, talk yeah. about what you do now. <laughs> well, uh, what I do now is um, I, when I first became a Christian, when I realized I believed, um, I was exposed early on to the persecuted church. In the mm -hmm. underground church, because I was doing a show in uh, at the time of uh, being a baby believer, I was doing a show in Eastern Europe and it was right after the Iron Curtain fell. Mm. And so and I, I didn't know anything about the politics of communism and, mm. you know, the Soviet Union. I knew very little about it. I just knew, you know, just kind of thumbnail sketch stuff. And um so I was in that world and I was talking with people who were, you know, enjoying newfound freedom, mm -hmm. um, figuring out who they were. I was in Ukraine and they were figuring out who they were as a nation, re rediscovering mm -hmm. who they were as a people after having, yeah. you know, the Soviets imposing right. on them right. who they were. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got to see that up close and personal firsthand and into my hands during that season fell a book called Tortured for Christ. Hmm. And it was written by a man named Richard Wormbrand, who founded um, one of the larger organizations that works um, among the persecuted today. And then there's, and then I ended up somehow, I randomly ended up meeting brother Andrew backstage. Kelly, I ended up in radio for eight years. Did you? <laughs> and so I started getting, I started going to these kinds of conferences yeah, yeah. to, you know, just hi, we're here live at, you know, the Mission Fest and blah, blah, blah. And right. I'm standing here with Brother Andrew. And uh, hi, Brother Andrew, what are you up to? <laughs> I smuggle yeah. any Bibles lately? Yeah. Um, and so I started, uh, I was just exposed to that world very early on. And um, it gripped my heart. 
They say that the first place that you go on a mission trip is the first place that captures your heart. Well, the first place I landed was with the community of the underground believers Mm. and they captured my heart. Mm. And so I still work with an organization named International Christian Response, and I work um, parallel through the Edmiston Center. We have a number of partners that work with um, with pastors and house churches uh, in different places around the world. I'm on the board of a few organizations that um, also, you know, minister to people in places where Western missionaries can't go. Mm-hmm. So there's only indigenous leadership, mm-hmm. um, and they need support and they need help. And so I I do what I can to. I do what I can as a public person for people who cannot show their faces. Right. Wow. That's my, and that is, that is my call. That's my call. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's amazing. I didn't know. I didn't know that. What does that, um, what is a day like in that? What is, what is it in, in action? What is it? For me, practically or for mean for, for you as the voice mm-hmm. and the face and the mm-hmm. public person behind it, what, what is an action step you might take? Right. So um, there are campaigns where, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm sitting here in my little recording studio um, uh, that we converted mm. when, the pan- when the pandemic hit because people started asking for voicings and I had voiceover experience. So I started doing um, uh, stories of people who live in closed countries um, so that people in the people in the freer world can understand uh, how they live, how they do what they do. And that's what the Edmiston Center does is we kind of interface with people with Christian life, people who live the Christian life on the margins of their societies. And that can be anybody from someone in a closed country to someone who gets their house shot up regularly because they live in, you know, um, an urban setting and the drug dealers are, take the place, take the form of the authoritarian government. Mm. Right. And so they're, they're dodging bullets. Their house is being shot up because they're the pastor and the drug dealers aren't invested in people changing. So it can be anybody from, you know, a pastor in a house church in China to a pastor, um, in, in the city who's Mm. dealing with similar issues. Um, Mm. And um, how do they do what they do? How do you be stealthy in those situations? Right, right. So we're trying to bring, the Edmiston Center is trying to bring skills um, to light um, that may be helpful for Christians um, as we experience being, you know, pushed to the margins of our own society um, here in the West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a neat work. And, and I can only imagine there's just not... Not many organizations that's doing anything like that. So, no, as far as I know, there are pockets of people who are beginning to study um, uh, Christian life on the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, theologically, there's a there's a group called um, China Partnership that has just established the Center for House Church Theology, and we're coordinating with them. Um, they are they've got a really neat work going on. They're publishing pastors. Um, and ministry leaders uh, from Chinese into English. Um, and they're public, got like 10 publishing projects going on and they just released the first one. And it's, it's such incredible reading. You read it and you realize, hey, wait a minute. We're actually culturally, because sin is the same. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of experiencing different, similar things, you know, right. culturally speaking, right. but they're just under an extremely heavy-handed authoritarian government. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so the dynamics. So you start to see these like, you know, they're struggling with a lot of the same um, cultural issues as we are mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, where their young people are at. You know, what does what does justice look like for the Christian um, believer when there is no justice mm-hmm. and you you can't expect for there to be any? How do you right. how do you use that for kingdom advance? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's just it's so crazy stuff. y'all. That's it's tough. So, so much I can learn so much we can all learn from them. And they and they're 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 this particular work that House Church Theology is doing is it's the it's really one of the rare influences from uh, on us from outside in usually the expectation is our stuff goes up yeah yeah 
Absolutely. But this is this is now people. This is why it's historic because it's now information coming in mm-hmm. to the freer world from a closed country, and it's a, it's a fantastic work. Yeah, oh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you started out in the PCUSA. Mm-hmm. How, like, like when you mentioned that, my mind lit up. How did you? end up in the PCA yes. <laughs> and how did you reconcile you know a um a lot from what I've been told and, and friends that I know who are in the PCA that came out of the USA a lot of them came from conservative churches right mm-hmm. some of them you know I think nationally there were some other things that started going on but the local churches sort of kept uh, a lot of them a, a conservative perspective of the things that ended up creating the great divide between USA and PCA. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how did you reconcile theologically? How mm-hmm. did you reconcile racially? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And probably women's roles also. Like, mm-hmm. was that an issue for you? How did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah those, girl. Yeah, that's those are all really um, good, loaded heavy questions i um, know i'm sorry yeah. no no it's it's okay because i've had i've had 30 years to think about it um so i'm very careful when i talk about the church that i grew up in i've learned to be very careful because there were there there were genuine believers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there were people who were preaching the gospel mm-hmm. um to me and um they are a i, I believe they are a bible believing a congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been under a great pastorate. Um, I had great pastors there. Um, some of them I don't remember because I was too young, but certainly when I got into my teens and then into my twenties, um, uh, and then uh, the people who guided us through my parents passing away, uh, Reverend Ron Hankins, they, you know, they're just, you, you, they're, 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 they're Bible believing Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it wasn't so much about um, where the what the church's orientation was. It was more about what my orientation was. Mm-hmm. I was not a believer. <laughs> um, and when I became a believer, I went on a very interesting doctrinal ecclesial journey. I've okay. been I've been a part of a lot of different movements. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is being exposed to the global church. Yeah. Also being in radio, radio waves don't know um, doctrinal borders. They they just go into people's houses. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to Mm. speak um, about the things of God in a way that, um, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist who has radically different, you know, understanding of a lot of things that, you know, you know, we would um, we would, you know, call covenantal. Right. I mean, I had to learn to speak to them with covenantal language, but I didn't land necessarily in the PCA denomination at first. I've been, gosh, broadly evangelical Mm -hmm. and then Christian Missionary Alliance. And then I got involved with Foursquare Pentecostals for a minute. Okay. Then right? then I ended up in the Apostolic Church of Pentecost. Oh. <laughs> and then um then back to being broadly evangelical. Then I was with a church that merged with another church that was like a um part of Calvary Chapel and they merged with um a, a four square church and that was a whole thing and then out of that I ended up in a PCA church. But um honestly, I think this, what I'm about to say actually might be the, one of the more common experiences of the person in the pew, just the average Joe in the pew. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't really know from yeah. denomination. Oh, what yeah. I, what I was responding to, I think, was kingdom minded people of God. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the invisible church is cuts across every denomination, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, now, there is a certain point at which, you know, you have to be able to, to define, um, you know, um, heterodoxy and, you know, heresy and whatnot, or, or you know, um, for discipline purposes, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's ethics don't match their epistemology, right? It's like, well, you ain't doing what God said to do, so we got to kind of, you know, deal with that. But, you know, the, the invis- I was exposed to the invisible church by God's design, I think. Mm, amen. 
Amen. So when I fell into <laughs> fell into the PCA, mm-hmm. um, I was drawn by a group of people. I came in through the Western Canadian Presbytery. What? Yes. Western Canadian. The West. I mean, all the way on, you know, if you're on the East Coast, that was all the way on the other side of the country, right. up north, right? So um, there was a church planter there. Um, who, uh, once you're my pastor, you're always my pastor. So he's, he's still, <laughs> he still pastors me. Um, uh, he's become a prayer coach now. Um, mm. and his name was John Smed and he was a church planter in Atlanta, oh, yeah. which is weird that now I'm in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know John. You know, John, mm-hmm. that's my friend. John. Yes, that's your friend. That's my friend. Jo- <laughs> Listen, John stood by me. So he was cultivating a bunch of leaders, um, and I was one of them. I was one of his worship leaders. And I got in some immigration really? trouble. You got an immig- I miss. I did. I misfiled what? some paperwork. I was trying uh, to immigrate into Canada. I misfiled some paperwork. And John stood with me. And I mean, it was, it was a, kind of a big deal. Mm. And I remember walking from the courthouse with him. And he said, I said, man, I said, I can't believe this. Like, this is, this is so messed up. This whole situation is so messed up. And I messed it up by not doing what I was supposed to do. This was like (laughs) 25, 20 years ago. And he said, well, if you don't stand with your leaders when they mess up, how are they going to learn? And that was when I was like, I really like how these guys do church. Mm -hmm. I loved, I liked the community. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a very multi, uh, multi multi-ethnic community. Um, A lot of, because of of its location, there were a lot of Chinese folks, a lot of Koreans, a lot of Japanese folks, um, handful of Africans, um, and, um, you know, some Canadians, um, some, um, uh, yeah. And so uh, I just liked the way they did church and they happened to be PCA. And then Mm. I started to learn about covenantal theology. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one day, um, John and there was another leader who had come from Westminster they both said, asked me, had I ever considered going to seminary? Okay. Mm. And I was like, mm, I don't have the right degree to jump into seminary, I don't think. I had a master's. <laughs> um, that's a whole right. other story. An arts master's. Right, right. I was like, mm. so they said, I said, well, why do you why do you ask me that? And they said, Well, we just we're just asking because we think there is <laughs> bless his heart. <laughs> We think there are some things you can say that us middle-aged white men can't say. Hmm. All right. There you well, go. And what year was that? What? <laughs> wow. Right. That was 2000 and that was probably for 2004, 2005. Wow. And so I had a little change. Both my parents had passed away. I had a little change. They had left me. Tried to send my uh, one of my relatives to school. He didn't want to go. So I was like, well, I ain't getting married anytime soon. I mean, there was nobody on the horizon. So I was, I was saving the money to get for a wedding, but that never okay. happened. So, I mean, it didn't happen until later. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I got to seminary, I was like, I spent the money. <laughs> <laughs> The irony. Fun is gone. Breaking the alabaster box, right? Yeah. So um, I, I got to Westminster and literally coming from a communications and theater background, like some of those classes sounded like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Aristotle, yes, blah, 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 yes, blah, blah. Machen, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> because, and, but you know, what I realized was every advanced degree has its own lingo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if you're in sociology or if you're in um, medicine, mm-hmm. you know, or law. Every yep. advanced degree has its own lingo. So I had to learn the lingo. Learn the lingo. Yeah. And um, that's where the African and African-American Student Fellowship came in. They had passed down incredible notes from a sister named Jocelyn Russell. She's the All first right. African-American female PhD to come out of Westminster. Okay. And y'all should have her on. She's a smart girl. Oh my gosh. She's she's a she's also a later married. Um okay. yeah, she just got married a couple of years ago and she is she is whoo that woman's mind. I just want to crawl in there with a cup of tea and live in there with her. Mm, all right. Um, yeah, she's she's amazing. But anyways, she had taken these incredible notes, and so there were glossaries. And we just kept passing them to each other. I'll tell you, the African-American um, mm-hmm, community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at Westminster, when I was there, was really a blessing. We mm-hmm. would, somebody would get their disbursement 
for their student loan and they'd be like, all right, y'all gather around. <laughs> what? Help you out. And then when everybody else got theirs, they pay the other person back. You know, oh, wow. Like That's a, true family. My $20 goodness. would show up in your mailbox on occasion. You know, it's like, hey, I heard you might need this, you know. Um, oh, we were feeding each other. We were, you know, taking each other to baby appointments when somebody was pregnant. And, you mm. know, it was just, it was just, uh, it was a That's really, legit. really sweet time. Yeah, yeah it was a really yeah. sweet time. That's and then, community. you know, yeah, it really was, you know, it was great. It was, a, it was, that was a good experience. And of course, I met Carl the second day. And uh, that's a whole other story. The second day. Second day on campus. I wow. <laughs> they didn't like him. He liked oh, me. really? They didn't like him. <laughs> we, we have that on record. <laughs> it took me three years. <laughs> three years later. Three years. Three years. He, he, but, uh, the, he, he wasn't hitting it on day one, huh? <laughs> I don't know. It didn't make sense. But after a while, I was like, man, what a great guy. Okay. What a great guy. All right, fellas, I hope y'all listening. Don't give up. (laughs) Stay stay the course. Don't give up. Be persistent. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so here we all are. Yeah. 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 What what year did you guys get married? We got married in 2011. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. On campus. um, We always joke that that's like the most Black people. Westminster has ever seen. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> That's hysterical. But it was wonderful. The president, uh, Pete Lilback, gave us um, the garden. He gave us, let us use the president's garden. And mm-hmm. it was such a community event. Like, you know, the whole community came out and decorated that place and just mm. made it work. It was just precious. Um, mm. All my, all my, my colleagues, my co-students, the people I was working there in, de- in the development department as well as being a student. And um, the the folks just the way the community loved on us and when we got married was just really uh, something I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. It was because you know our two stories coming together. You know it was kind of like this is this is really an unusual story. <laughs> and um, yeah, they became part of the part of the legacy, which is wonderful. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're in the PCA at, at this point. Tell tell us about your 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 churches that you've been in while in, in the PCA, and then what has been what's been some of the the good things uh, or or some of the things that have been a struggle to get used to, if any. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I mean, um, it's really about for me the local expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so the denomination, I, I think that well, I'll start with the challenging thing. The challenging thing for me is going to GA and realizing that my local expression is not, um, it's like, it's not, uh, the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to put it. And yeah. there's a lot of, and, and there's, there are a lot of different, I think one thing that people don't appreciate is there are a lot of cultures in the PCA. Mm, yeah. mm, mm-hmm. There are a lot of cultural cultures, not just mm-hmm. ecclesial or, you know what I mean? We all, and we all have kind of gather around this confessional standard, but I mean, there's like more than two, you yeah. know what I mean? They want to say, oh, there's two cultures in the PCA. I'm like, no, actually there's a lot of different yeah. cultures. It's mm. a broad range yeah. of yeah, ecclesial is. expressions. Um, and so I'm reminded um, on the rare times when I do go to GA I'm reminded that there are a lot of uh, that, that uh, what I see on Sunday, every, every Sunday um, is just, it's just different mm-hmm. uh, mm. from what other folks might see. Now, let me tell you why I love my local church. Let hey. me tell you why I love oh, my local church. What, what, what <laughs> church Listen. are you at? Yeah, right. I am at New City Fellowship in Glenwood, where the Reverend Kevin Smith is the pastor. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Yes. And, okay, I'm going to start. Well, I'll start with Kevin and Sandra. Um, they are my pastor. He, he's my pastor. Mm. And they are my friends. Yeah. Yeah. They are my friends. They have been there for us in some of the hardest times of the last 10 years. Mm. And um, that's 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 what a huge part of it. I love my pastor's preaching Amen. when he preaches. Now, I'm gonna tell you all. Y'all go to um, newcityfellowship.com. Make all sure right. you go to Glenwood, the Glenwood, Glenwood campus. I think it's .com. If it's not .com, it's .org. If it takes you somewhere funny, try .org. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but 
it's the Glenwood campus. You go and listen to the sermons that we have had mm. in the last two years. It's not just him. Everybody who preaches at my church is able to give you Christ imminent and Christ transcendent. Mm. You will see him in glory and you will feel him sitting next to you in the wow. pew. Wow. And the focus that they have had on kingdom things and the focus, the, the shift in focus that we've had towards kingdom prayer, which is okay. different from domestic prayer, mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. kingdom advance and kingdom prayer. Um, sometimes it feels like wet wood catching, but something is happening at my local congregation that's even better than what I experienced that made me want to be a part of it in the first place. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, I, I love my local congregation. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I love it. Yeah. And it happens to be attached to the PCA. Mm. Right. Um, right, right. I feel right. at my local congregation, I feel so supported in the work that I do. They have That's made good. space. See, I tell people I represent 250 million people in the world. Three quarters, 75% of the world lives without, with some measure of religious restriction, Mm. some lack of religious freedom. Mm. We are the 25% Mm. in the freer world. Yeah. So when somebody makes room for me in their church, on their platform, on committee, whatever, they're making room for 250 million people. Mm. They have done that for me. I have hosted people whose, you know, whose identities need to be hidden, who cannot be named um, on small platforms, on large platforms at my church. And people have turned out and they have been so supportive of the call that's on my life. They have been supportive of me as a teacher. Mm. They have been supportive of me um, as a you know, a, a fair, a fair Johnny come lately to the, the denomination, you mm-hmm. know, but they have just been such a support and an encouragement. And I'll tell you another reason I love my local congregation. We got a text group going. We call it the Divas, the Diva group. Okay. Oh, my divas. Uh, it is a group of older women ministering to younger women. Mm. Ah, so um, and it is like every auntie, Every mother, every daughter, every sister between the pews you have ever wanted in this text message. And it is uh, my my friend Gwen Green. I don't know if you know, you all know Gwen and Paul Green. Um, He used to be the director of Hope uh, for the Inner City. But Gwen says, she said just the other day in the text message, and I can say it because she said it to me and I I claimed it as my own. it, it is a harbor for our hearts. It's a harbor Ooh. for my heart. Amen. Um, when my hurt, heart is hurting in a way that only this, these, these black pearls will understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the place I go. And so That's this good. is all, these are things that I've found in my local congregation. Then there's the mission committee. The mission committee is amazing. And it is, it's run by, um, a group of folks who they know, they understand the mission experience, but they also have room for the people who are, like I mentioned earlier, indigenous leaders being raised up in their own countries. Mm. Um, and that's that's just worth the price of gold for me. So that's those are just a few reasons I love my local congregation. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is so uh, I mean, I, I, I just love it. I really do. And I, I feel like I'm sad to say that it's hard. It's hard today mm-hmm. to find a local congregation where you can have all that affirmation. But I feel I feel seen. Mm-hmm. I feel seen as a woman mm-hmm. who has a seminary degree. Yeah. I feel seen as a sister in Christ. I feel seen as a person who represents missions. I feel seen as a representative of the uh, the underground church. Um, mm-hmm. I feel seen by my white brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel mm-hmm. seen by the black brothers and sisters. I just, mm-hmm. it's it's just, for me, 
it's just a really healthy place right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And we're that's getting so fed good. good. We're getting fed really good. And that good. matters. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's yep. the difference right mm-hmm. there. Now, you, you, I know you, you have a, a calling for discipleship and, and speaking into the lives of, of young women. What, what kind of advice would you give uh, a young Black woman who finds herself in a PCA space that may not have, may not be in a context like you currently are in. That's good. I would say, allow yourself to be surprised. Um, I was discipled by some of the most unlikely characters <laughs> you would ever imagine. Hmm. Um, and one was, one was, oh my gosh, one has gone to be with the Lord. I, 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 I wrestle with the fact, I wrestle with wanting to say she went too early, but she went in the Lord's time and I know she's mm-hmm. in his presence. Um, her name was Grace and she was a tough former lesbian mm. uh, from Philly, from, <laughs> from West Philly. From West Philly? Oh, no, West I'm Philly? sorry. She was from Brooklyn. And she moved to West Philly and I met her when I was there in seminary and she was just amazing, just Mm. so practical. Um, Her sexuality was not the only thing about it. This was a woman who restructured Fortune 500 companies, Mm. wrote books. I mean, and she taught me so much about the character of God Mm. and sacrifice Mm. to follow him. Wow. Um, and I will never forget. She taught me so much about biblical wisdom that I'm still, oh, I'm still just trying to work it out. Mm. <laughs> but she, she would just, she's the one, I don't know if you hear my, heard my message. Um, I did a message recently on James, the James chapters one and two, and I was talking about say ought to match do. Uh, what we say we believe about God um, should match how we obey God. Mm-hmm. Like God reveals, and I got that expression from her. Wow. Say, ought to match do. If you say mm-hmm. don't match, you do. Something's wrong. Something's uh-huh. wrong with your uh-huh. ethics. Oh, man. Um, say, ought to match do. She taught me so many wonderful things. Then there was another lady. She, she was a delightful surprise um, just to be disciples. She discipled a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was honored to be one of those that she took under her wing and, and was my friend. Mm. Um, yeah, beautiful chocolate brown sister with a silver. She was a silver fox. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, just no nonsense, too. You know, you'd ask her hard questions. She'd be like, what does the Bible say? You know, what I mean? it's like, <laughs> no, that's right. she was kind of tough. So I, I was like, OK, the Bible says that. I'm not going to question. Um, there was another woman who was a delightful surprise to me. And she was a woman who she and her husband, Mary Late, seems to be a pattern in my life. Mm. Uh, they married late and um, he's passed on now, but they were extremely British. They were, ex- I mean, just, oh, delightfully so. Uh, they're quite British, are they? Softly spoken. Quite British. Was, and she was a very strong person. She was well, strong. She's quite strong. Yeah. Yes. And um, she actually oh. ran a, uh, a psych ward. She actually oh. got saved on the mission field. Let that sink in. Wow. The missionary and she realized she wasn't saved. Oh what? my goodness. Right. And she's like, oh my gosh, I better get right. And so <laughs> she got right. They got together. And I mean, these this is a couple that was shot at by Idi Amin's army. Wow. They were Bible smugglers behind the Iron Curtain. I mean, they just had this incredible life. And she's still doing like like a uh, uh, radio broadcasts and she's wow. in her now and he's oh going with the Lord, but they were a delightful surprise. Okay. Me. Okay. And they taught me so much, just, uh, they taught me a lot of wisdom um, about the word, but they taught me a way of looking at the word of looking at just the tiny little details that I delight in still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I had been looking for someone um, that if, if in both of those cases, if I had been looking to be discipled by someone who was my image of who I thought I should have been discipled by, yeah. I would have missed them. Mm. It's just like, just like my husband, right? Mm-hmm. I was looking for somebody close to my age, a couple years older, mm-hmm. you know, 
local, you know, we'd be in the same city. I mean, here is this man 20 years older than me, uh, living in a completely different city. Mm. And I was overlooking him for three years because he wasn't the image of what I thought. Mm. But the I Lord knew. The Lord knew. And I yeah. would have so there are, I would say, so back to your question. What That's advice a word right there though, Karen. Mm-hmm. I hope let I hope somebody people, heard that. Let people surprise you mm-hmm. because yeah. you're going to be somebody else's surprise. Mm. You're going to be that person where they're like, I would have never thought you would have been pouring into my life like this. Oh my yes. gosh. And you, I, I just, you weren't who I had in mind, but here you are. And so, yeah, that, that would be my advice. Let, let yourself be surprised. There are people in your congregation hmm. um, who uh, they've got something to bring. Everybody's mm-hmm. got something to bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I had another, no, I, have, I got a lot of other mothers. I had an, um, <laughs> no. uh, there are two women in my life right now, um, Toby and Gwen uh, and, and Miss Dorothy, um, who just, they are, they're, they're sisters, but they're also aunties and they're also mothers and uh, three sisters who have seen a lot of life as women of color. Mm-hmm. And the ease that we have talking with each other, uh, the trust that we built up very quickly. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I would say that uh, that's uh, one of my one of my more delightful right now, peer relationships, peer discipleship relationships, we're sharpening each other, right? Mm. It's not so much, um, one of them was, is more of a discipleship relationship, but we're sharpening iron, sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. And um, they surprise me. Um, one's an attorney. One is um, a wife, a mom. She's been in nonprofit business for a long time, nonprofit organization for a long time. And the other one is a longtime insurance agent, and they they have seen things. They have seen the culture change, mm. and they have clung to Jesus mm. in the middle of all of it. And their faith is tested and tried and true in a way that I I just look at them and I think God. Oh Lord, if I can just if I can hold on like that, I'll be all right. If yeah. He's and He's the keeper, right? Amen. So He's the one who keeps us, but He keeps us by showing us uh, people who've who've walked our path before. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, let That's people real. surprise you. Let them delight you and surprise you. That's yeah. good. That's good. Oh, that. Uh huh. Well, we're we're getting close to the end of our time, but I'm just curious. You know, you're in this this awesome context uh, in your local church. What is that what makes you stay? If you found yourself in another context, would it be just as easy for you to, to stick around the PCA or, or is, it a, um, is it a local context thing that just happens to be a PCA church? Yeah, I'd say it's the latter, to be honest with you. And I, I, lo- I say this as one who loves covenantal theology, mm-hmm. but I also say this as a person who I, I, I am built to fit in. Um, I'm built to adapt. Okay. Uh, and I know that about myself. And that's that's what makes it easy for me to cross borders, cross national borders, cross mm. cultural borders. Mm. Um, and that's a gift that God has given me for the work that I do. Um, if, if, you know, if, if for some strange reason, my, my church shut down tomorrow, you know, um, I would look for the people of God. I would look for the people of peace mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're, they really are everywhere. So yeah, it does, for me, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have to be a PCA church. There are uh, people who are serving the Lord in, in many different places. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do know, you know, some, I do know some other PCA churches that I would love to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I don't know all the, you know, it's like, how many? I was like hundreds of them in the PCA. I don't uh, know. There are 3,000 PCA nope. churches. That's a lot of churches. That's a lot of churches. Wow. A lot of churches. Um, we're one of the smaller denominations. So. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, well, you know, would I look for, um, what would I look for if I, let's, this, this, is, a good, this is a good test. Mm, that's a what good question. What would I look for yes. if I were going to another country? Yes. What would I look for, Right. So I would look for people who teach the Bible. Mm. 
Yeah, who teach the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are people teaching the word of God that are actually covenantal. Mm -hmm. And they don't know it. Yep. I was covenantal and I didn't, when I was a dispensationalist, I was was covenantal. I was, you know, I believed in the sovereign God, you know, Um, I just needed some fine tuning and tweaking on understanding how the covenants unfold. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, for me, my answer for that is I just, I tend to look for the people of peace, for the people of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People of peace and people of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. So how can, as people are listening, is there a way for, for people to join you? In your ministry with the Edmondson Center, or mm-hmm. how how can the common person help support what's going on with the underground church and the invisible church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, those are two separate questions and two great questions. Uh, the first one, I would say, uh, go to edmondsoncenter.org. Um, we've got some. We've got a, we've got a ten uh, credit curriculum. Oh, and oh. you can actually get the certificate and in one year get a certificate in the study of the Bible and ethnicity, and you'll be, you'll start, you'll learning how to make connections between the local and the global expressions Mm. of the church. Mm. And um, you'll be learning from people all over the world um, and me and my husband. And um, yeah, we're getting started. We've got the 10 hour curriculum there for you. And all those credits, if you decide to roll over into another degree, all those credits apply. So they're actually a part of the larger curriculum. Yeah. And this Um, is RTS. You're talking about Mm -hmm. Reformed Theological Seminary with campuses all over the Southeastern Seaboard. (laughs) That's right. And and you guys are specifically at the Atlanta location. Correct. Correct. Mm. That's right. And, um, you know, we are Uh, We'll be teaching a course uh, on theology and mission of prayer. It's the doorway to the whole curriculum, um, really, uh, just Mm -hmm. kind of reorienting revival movements and reorienting Mm -hmm. our thoughts around kingdom advance Mm. and what it actually means to develop habits of prayer. So our pillars are prayer, discipleship, wisdom, stealth. That's the sexy one. Stealth. (laughs) Yes. Stealth Christianity. And the fifth one, the fifth one is transformation and transformative Christianity. You know, what kind of Christianity are people preaching that they'll, they're ready to lay down their lives for it. Mm. It's a very different gospel than the one we hear preached commercially. Oh yeah. yeah. Here in the freer world. American gospel is very, it's something different. It really is. And so um, we're exploring all those questions. You can join us. So go to edmistoncenter.org for that. And uh, in terms of partnering with the the underground church, um, I work alongside, I've I've been um, contracting with this group for 25, 20 years. Um, And it's uh, called International Christian Response. And we are, our hallmark is (laughs) we're in the places where Western missionaries can't go. Hmm. We're in 42 different countries and uh, we support church planters, education initiatives. Uh, We provide legal aid. Uh, We provide um, uh, funding for families who's uh, where the breadwinner has been martyred. Hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we do a lot. So you can go to um, christianresponse.org and take a look at the work that we do there. Hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us and providing a way for listeners to follow you. You're a little bit Forrest Gump, Karen. Mm -hmm. I am. You've done everything. You've done. The more you talk, I'm like, wait, girl. All right. We go from actress to radio personality to Broadway tour. I know. I I was, I was, you know, at one point in my life, I was like, okay, go. I think it was right about when I graduated seminary, you know, for a long time, I felt like the Lord was, you know, putting cards in my hand to play a certain game. And I was like, okay, okay, this is a good hand. This is a good hand. We're going to play a good game. Okay, God. And then it was like, you know, like an old May card showed up and a Uno card and a, and a book chip. And, and I was like, like what game is this? I said, what game are we playing? <laughs> He's like, trust me, you're going to need all of this where you're going. I said, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Uh, so, you yes. made me snort. I hope you can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's uh-uh, hysterical. Wow. Let me keep all snorts. <laughs> oh my gosh. But isn't that like the Lord? It's like, it what is. are you doing? What are it you is. doing? I am the unlikely theologian. I really am. That's what I call myself. I am the yeah. unlikely theologian. If yeah. And I, I don't know why. But here I am. I just yeah. want to be found faithful. So, amen. Thanks well, I, I need somebody to, to disciple me. So, I may be hitting you up. <laughs> Let's talk. Well, After look, the show. I better hurry up. Let me hurry up. Put my dibs in first. <laughs> I, need, I don't know what your availability is like, but we're going to have to talk. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> well, thank amen. you again, Karen, for taking some time to chat with us today. You have been an encouragement uh, yeah. to us you've motivated breath of flesh, fresh air breath of fresh air you have challenged us by your words and uh, it's clear that that god is doing something neat in your life and um and, and and he has has equipped you with all the old maid uno skipbo <laughs> cards to do so so <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you so for, much thank you kelly for sitting alongside your oh, girl oh man yes. This I was, love you, ladies. Love you, too. Thank yeah, you, Karen, so yeah, much. Yeah. So very much. And thank you to our listeners. Between the Pew is brought to you by African American Ministries. To follow AAM, be sure to visit our website at aampca.org. Mm-hmm. And follow us on social media at aampca. See y'all next week. <laughs>